I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Replay, powered by digital media. Now here's an interview from the stage of Code Media. Um, we are ending with a bang here. We are ending with one of the most interesting companies, one of the most controversial companies of the last year. Let's bring on Nigel Eccles from FanDuel. Thank you. Thanks, Nigel. I'll be back a bit. Thank you for coming. No, thank you for inviting me. Uh, you're never quite sure when you invite someone who's in a lot of legal trouble if they're going to come <laughs> on stage. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very happy I that you made it. That. Thanks for the time. No problem. Um, I think a lot of people know what FanDuel is, mm-hmm. so we're not going to go through the entire history sure. of FanDuel, but uh, I want to go through some of the backstory mm-hmm. first, because this is a company that I was uh, vaguely aware of over the last year. Yeah. Everyone became very aware yes. of it this fall. You had no choice. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was a company you'd created a couple years ago. It turns out there was a version, you started at something earlier, you pivoted. And yeah. So just explain yeah. quickly how you got to here. Sure. So uh, our first company we started in 2007, uh, it was a product called HubDub, which was a prediction game, play money, did a lot of prediction markets around the 2008 elections. And uh, it was cool, a lot of fun, really good engagement. Um, but what we discovered was it didn't make any money, um, and that became a bit of a problem. So in 2009, uh, we looked at it and said, we want to do something around predictions, but we want uh, we want to have like a real business model around it. And so that's me. We happened on fantasy sports. So that's a straight up pivot into fantasy pivot sports. Pivot into fantasy sports, yeah. And was it always this sort of idea of daily fantasy? Yeah, yeah. So what we looked at, and we actually talked to fantasy players. We weren't fantasy players ourselves, so that, that was a bit of a handicap. But it, Man, we talked to players and they said that kind of a couple of things they really hated. You didn't like the randomness of the draft. So when you play season long, your draft order, so you can get a great position, get number one or you can get 12. And they didn't like the impact of injuries on their season. So um, you could pick a player, top pick, guys injured, like say a Des Bryant, and it kind of ruins your season. Um, and they didn't like the fact that their friends dropped out during the season and, and ruined it. So but we just begin. I think anyone mm-hmm. in here gets this. Fantasy sports is this giant business. Yes. In the U.S., but and, fifty and million people play it in North America. Giant business for Yahoo, yeah, among yeah, others. Yeah, yeah. And they said this is good, but we also want to tweak on it. And you. Yeah. So tweak. what we thought was we could address those problems and also make it a much more mobile experience, much faster. And the innovation we thought was. Uh, let's let's take that season and collapse it down into one day, so that I'm always picking players that are going to play, and, and then I can uh, and I can play and win in one day. So you started that in 2009, Nine, and that's yeah. more or less the game that we have today. Pretty much, like a lot of product innovation every year to make it better, but that was that was the the genesis. So all of a sudden, last fall, yeah. you've you've got a gazillion dollars in funding, yeah. you're worth a billion dollars, yeah. you're spending a ton of money yeah. on. On, on advertising, which mm-hmm. we'll get to in a second, but yep. when, when did it ramp up where everyone was suddenly throwing money at you and investing in you? And, and uh, by the way, uh, SP Nation, yeah, the, Fox Media has a partner with you guys. Right. There's my, another onstage Your disclosure. disclosure. Um, I've seen none of that money. <laughs> um, when, when did that really ramp up? You know, it, it grew every year. Like the first couple of years were really hard. Like that's the one thing I'd say about our company was uh, we were, our first couple of years, nobody really believed in it. They felt it was niche. Uh, they think they thought that people would never um, come out of season long. They felt that, um, they felt it was too hard. You know, there was, like we would pitch VCs and say, hey, I'm a big sports fan, but you know, this takes too long. I'm, you know, I'd, or I didn't win, I don't think this would go mass market. So really from 2009 to 2011, we were really on a skeleton crew. And then 2011, the first time we started to raise a bit of money, and it really was ramping from 2011. What was, what was the fuel that was making it go? Um, 
In the early years? Just when 2011 was started picking, it was the spending. We started to get more. We started to get more investment, but the core was that our players always loved our product. From like 2009, when the product was kind of terrible, like that was the thing I looked at fantasy is like. In 2009, you know, the Yahoo and ESPN, CBS products were really schlocky. They really were not good products. And people were loving it. And I always think that if I take a product that, if I take a category where the product's bad, but people are engaged and make the product good, then that should be a business case. And so we launched in 2009. Our product wasn't great, but people were really engaged. And so there was a combination of continuing to optimize the product, but also to you know, continue to ramp up marketing and, and optimize the efficiency. So, so in 2014 and 15, all yeah. of a sudden you're doing deals with leagues, yeah. with yeah. teams, yeah. Um, with broadcasters, mm-hmm. yeah. across the long world. list yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you're raising money and mm-hmm. striking these commercial deals, are there people saying, hey, wait a minute, is this legal or not? Mm-hmm. Oh, like all throughout the process, um, you know, from uh, the very, uh, like, uh, to be honest, I, the, we came up with a concept in, uh, in Austin, South by Southwest, in, in 2009, and uh, literally on the flight I was reading, there's something called the Laughlin or a Gaming Enforcement Act, which is a federal law which defines fantasy sports at a federal level and says it's legal. So I was literally reading it going, okay, you know, we can do this. And I obviously went and got a professional lawyer to do that and also to look at, you know, all 50 states. But from the very start, we always took a very conservative legal approach to say, we're not going to do this if there's any question about its legality. So you guys said flat out it's legal, or did you say, well, we think it's legal, and we're going to find out? No, 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 completely clear of its legality. Just just to explain the legality of fantasy sports, because it's worth touching on. So fantasy sports was a a product uh, created by fans. Um, It's actually created in the 1960s in New York. Um, and has been played for... By a the, journalist, no less. I believe so, yes. In, in a, in a, magazine. In a rotisserie yeah. restaurant, thus yeah. creating the, the name rotisserie baseball, thus confusing generations of Americans of what it was. So, um, <laughs> but, so he, he created the first league, you know, and, and that kind of spread out from there. And I always joke that the first te- technological innovation in fantasy sports was the fax machine, because before that, everybody did it by paper. Um, so... The reason it was considered legal from then onwards was it was considered a game of skill. And in U.S. law, and different states have different law, but in general, there is, if something is skill predominant or is a contest between players where skill is a predominant factor, that's considered a bona fide game of skill, distinct from gambling. And that's why, that's why a golf tournament is legal. That's why a spelling bee is legal. So on a state level, that's the first piece. Then on the federal level was this law that I mentioned, which is the only law that touches on fantasy sports, which is UEG 2006, gives us a safe harbor. And then there's been a couple of examples of case law which sort of reinforce that, that state law that says, yes, this is a bona fide game of skill. And this is the key thing for you, right? It's a game of skill, it's a game of skill, not gambling. The skill predominance factor. The skill predominance test is the general test. And that's, that. that's the core of your legal argument. For, it, again, it varies by states, but in most states, that's the, the test, the skill predominance. Right. And, I, and again, I think a lot of mm-hmm. right-thinking people will go, I don't know, it kind of looks like gambling to me, but you can debate it, and that's where you are now. Yeah. But my question was, when you're out doing investment deals yeah. with Comcast, yeah. when you're out doing deals yeah. with the NHL, yeah, yeah, yeah. was anyone raising a flag and oh, saying... Yeah, at every point, everyone, we would go through that process of, you know, how does this fit within, you know, our current, the current framework, the current law that every point we do 
due due diligence on it. So, so yes. it wasn't like an Uber situation saying, look, we're going to end up in court and we're going to no. end up fighting regulators, but you got to come along for the ride. Well, what I would say, though, is from very early on, I think we became aware that you know, we were a small unregulated market. Small unregulated markets are generally fine. We were becoming a very large unregulated market. How big? How big is the market? How big is, how big is your business today? Uh, well, the daily fantasy sports sector, I think last year, did over $2 billion in entry fees um, and over about $200 million in revenue. And how much of that is yours? Uh, we don't really divulge those numbers. Big chunk of it. We're, 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 the, we're the biggest player in the market, but it's uh, a good chunk of it. So you're so saying, so as you grow bigger... It's, so it's becoming a bigger, much bigger market, and what we were... Uh, what, even two, three years ago, we started to say, look, we're, we're going to become regulated, right? We just kind of have to figure out how that happens. Uh, and so two years ago, we actually made moves to become self-regulated. We got our trade association. I wrote uh, the regulations for our trade association. Everybody signed up, signed up to those regs. Um, and that kind of worked for a couple of years. But really what happened then, really from October, was it became apparent that we needed really state-by-state state regulation with real consumer protection in it. But it was something we knew was going to happen. We just had no idea how it was going to happen. Okay, so we get to this, yeah. this spring and summer. Yeah, yeah. You raise a bunch of money. Yeah. You do more deals. Yeah. You have a rival, DraftKings. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. are in a neck-and-neck yeah. race. It's a serious yeah. XM thing. Maybe yeah. one yeah. of you is going to buy the other. Comes August, the mm-hmm. NFL season ramps up. Yeah. That's your big season, right? Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. are really about pro football. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, not only every football game, but any screen, yeah. TV, yeah. phone. That's sports on it. Uh, doesn't even need sports, right? <laughs> you could watch yeah. no sports. Yeah. And you would be subjected yeah. to but you're your a, ads. You're a sports fan. I'm a sports fan as so well. So we were well targeted. Like, it wasn't like you were. It was pretty sloppy targeted. It was carpet bombing. <laughs> so we are, we, are, we, are, we are drowning, whatever metaphor yeah, yeah, you yeah, want, yeah. in your ads and yeah. DraftKings yeah. ads. Did you realize that the two of you were going to combine to cover America in, in <laughs> fantasy ads? You know, it, so it was definitely a big ramp up in 2014. And, and you know, we came through the 2014 season um, very successfully. And, and uh, I think the two things that, we, that changed for us, uh, well, probably three. Um, first one is, uh, was just the scale. We, we massively ramped up the amount we were advertising. Um, secondly, was just the competitive skill as well, like they ramped up hugely as well. And then thirdly, we moved from very narrow channels, uh, like say ESPN or like sports sites, to broader ones. Like once we went to like Sunday Night Football, we were hitting a mass market audience that didn't want to play fantasy sports and didn't we were reminded about it every 15 seconds. So yeah, we recognized it was a, you know, a shift change. When, when, did you realize that going in and just say, well, you know what, we just got to get over this, we just yeah. got to get over this hump, or did you go, oh shit, look what we did? We knew it was going to be a lot bigger, a lot bigger. I think uh, probably by late August, like first week of September, we were like, oh, this is going to be really big. Like we, you know, we're going to be, you know, one of the top 10 advertisers and, um, uh, and, you know, the, the, somebody up earlier said that TV advertising doesn't work. It does. It worked very well for us. And so the, I think the mistake we made, so the, it was very effective in terms of talking to our audience. It was great. You know, and, and, and you found every single person who wants to play Daily Fantasy <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But what, what we probably didn't do, maybe I should use an analogy. Somebody said to me, he said, you know, there's nothing more interesting in life than your, your fantasy football team. But there's nothing less interesting in life than your buddy's fantasy football team because you don't care. And so I think what we did is we reminded you about your buddy's fantasy football team every 15 seconds 
for several months, and, and that, that was a Had you, If you were not competing with DraftKings, would, would, that, would you still have spent the same amount of money? Um, I think it's very hard to like, do a counterfactual. Yeah. Like, I think you know, the com- competitive dynamic in the market, and you know, there's other players, like you know, I'd, I'd say part of our growth is the competitive dynamic, but also part of our growth has been, you know, we consider ourselves pretty small startups against people like Yahoo and ESPN. And so uh, I had, you know, I'll be honest, we've lived in fear for when those guys come into the market. Now, Yahoo launched last summer and uh, has a reasonable first year. And so part of it is a competitive dynamic between them, but part of it was also like when they come in, like, you know, Yahoo and ESPN have got 10, you know, I think they've got so 10 you feel million. Like we're at this race. We got to go as we, fast. We've as got we to can. get out of here before those guys come in and seriously dump on us, uh, and they, which they still, you know, they still can do. So then, do you think then that like, ad blitz barrage? I can mm-hmm. keep making up metaphors. Yeah, that led to the regulatory issues you have now. Do you think that prompted people to go, "Hey, wait a minute, what yeah, is yeah. this? We should look it, into yeah, this." Yeah, it, it definitely put it, it on. So the, you the, caused your problem. Uh, Possibly, yeah. Like we put it, put it on the radar. And, and one of the things I would say, though, is that you know, a year ago, we went out and spoke to legislators and said, look, um, we're becoming a big industry. Uh, we have self-regulation. We think it makes sense to clarify the law uh, because the laws that we're reliant on here are 50, 100 years old. There's no consumer protection. There's no regulation. Um, we think it makes sense to pass you know, consumer protection regulation. And they're like, nobody cares. Like, who's going to pass a law around fantasy sports? And so we got out, you know, we, and we had planned. We said, look, we're, we're going to have to become regulated. It's going to take five years. And our biggest challenge is going to make anybody care, right? It seems bizarre. Um, and I guess what we did do is we put everybody in the radar. Now people care. It uh, wasn't our intention, uh, but that, that's, that was one of the impacts. So now essentially, right, you're, there are some states like New York. Yeah kicked you guys out. And they, yeah, yeah, and there's a, yeah. And then other states, you're now proactively going and, and going and lobbying for clearance. Yeah, yeah. So you're ending up in this state-by-state fight. Yeah. So you raised all this money, yeah. presumably, to well, a lot of it was going to go mm-hmm. into advertising. Yeah. Uh, and I assume some of it was going to do something other than have regulatory fights, right? That money was not earmarked to go lobby the state yeah. of Kansas. Well, you know, we're a startup. And things change, uh, and our, our investors get that. Uh, the... The investment on the regulatory side is, is very much like an investment in marketing. We're investing in the long-term you know, surety of the business. Uh, just to give you an idea of what's happening. Well, one, whether you exist or not, right? I mean, if you don't get the clearance. Well, so like, just to give clarity of what actually is happening state by state. So there has been negative opinion. New York, uh, Texas, and Illinois are probably the, the most notable ones. Similarly, there's been, very, there's been positive, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Kansas, Maryland. So a, a lot of states have actually come out and said, no, actually, there is existing law, or this is fine within existing law. The bulk of the uh, activity, though, is, is not at AG, it's the legislative side. And so we have seen around 16 bills go uh, in, and we expect to see at least another 10 or 15 this session, um, and those bills are progressing very quickly. So in California here, we passed through the lower house 68 to one. Um, in, uh, in Florida, we've, we've passed through committee. The, this morning, we passed through the Senate in uh, West Virginia, and then nearly all of these- None of this is free. You gotta pay someone to push you through every one of these legislations. Yeah, like, but that's, you know, we, the thing that this does is this also, this isn't just about, this clarifies the law for fantasy sports. So it's worth the investment, and, but this is not, about daily fantasy sports, this is fantasy sports in general. That 50 million people who play, the reason why this is passing is because uh, people, you know, legislators say they know it's popular and they think it's crazy that 
you know, you can wake up someday and say this game has been around for 50 years and people play for fun is suddenly not legal. So again, I think a lot about you and Uber and the parallels and the mm-hmm. differences. So the Uber, Travis has set this up, yeah. is we're going up against Big Taxi and he's yeah. an asshole. So that's yeah. a quote. That's not me swearing gratuitously. Yeah. Do you have a version of Big Taxi? Is it is it mm-hmm. legalized gambling interests in no, other states? No, that, that's like, Who's that, fighting Yeah. And that's the thing is, we're generally not fighting anyone. Like this is a product, like when you talk about disruptive products, there's usually always a loser, right? Um, And Uber knows his taxis, Airbnb knows his hotels. With daily fantasy sports, the fans love it. Like they, um, you know, our engagement with the product is, is through the roof. Net promoter score of 60, 70. Um, they, uh, the sports leagues love it because it drives consumption and the sports networks love it. So it is a product where really everyone is benefiting. Um, I think the reason that we're getting such traction in the legislators around the country is that there's no real organized opposition. There may be a, you know, a, a killjoy or two going, oh, I don't like it. But you know, that's, that's the 60th and one. Las that's the Vegas? One. What about Las Vegas? Um, so Las Vegas is a... Uh, we used to do a lot of events in Las Vegas as well. I mean, Las Vegas, metaphorically, for the legalized gambling business. Oh, they're like op- you, are they opposed? Yeah, it seems like you're coming in and taking away money from them. But it's, it's not. Like, you know, we... You know, our, our demographic, if you actually ask our players why they play, top three reasons are, number one, this will blow you away, they love the research. You know, it maybe underlies this kind of a nerdy product, right? Um, they, love the, they love the competition, and then they love the live scoring experience. It's, it's not... It's not remotely like going to a casino. So we, those, they don't, we've not seen them come out and, you know, say, no, we're opposed to this. It seems pretty logical. They would say, well, we'd like a piece of that. Like, I, you know, that's not what we find. Like, I think, you know, I think, um, you know, that's, and that's not their public position. And now uh, I get an update periodically that says another financial services company is no longer mm-hmm. going to work with you guys mm-hmm. because they're a weird, yeah. concerned about regular yeah. overhang. How much of that can you sustain before you can't operate anymore? Uh, like th- those have been very isolated. Like it doesn't surprise me. Like we work, um, uh, we work with multiple payment processors. We work with multiple issuing banks. Um, some of those are going to make commercial decisions that you know while there's uncertainty, they're they're going to step back. Um, it's had no impact on our business to date, and, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it will. So you have regulatory issues. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you have a big perception issue, mm-hmm. which is that there's a bunch of stories, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like John Oliver, yeah. people like Bill Simmons yeah. Beyond, yeah. saying that, that effectively no regular person can really mm-hmm. play this game. Yeah. It's pitched as something that you yeah. and I can yeah. play, and maybe we can win, yeah. or we win five bucks, or we yeah. lose five bucks. But really, this is a thing that is only, mm-hmm. it only works if you are a quant yeah. with a, an array of computers yeah. and yeah. a bunch of money. And it, it's yeah. basically a bunch of professional yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, software folks yeah. taking money from yeah. rooms. Yeah. Um, so I know that you don't think that's the case, yeah. but it doesn't matter whether you think it's the case. Yeah. You need yeah. to convince people that's not the case. Yeah. So how do you fix that problem? Yeah, it's good. You know, it's, and, and we've had that accusation. I think... First, fundamentally, is you know, Fangio's a game of skill. It's like golf. You know, you don't go up against Tiger Woods and think, "Hey, uh, you know, if I don't beat him." Right. No, the pitches you're going fixed. up against some some jerk off from the bar, right? Yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. All in the same. Well, you know, so what we've done and, and what we've always tried to do is create variety that people can play. Like you can play. We had a during football a Sunday Million League, which is the best players competing for the biggest prizes. Um, 
you know, if you're a new player who's not familiar with it, you know, that's going to be a very hard league to win. But if you play in a smaller league, like a beginner league or even a friends league, then that's going to be much easier to win. And so we've kind of, we've tried to like shift people more to say like, this is maybe a league or a 50-50 league. 50-50 league is one where the top half double, they, they, the top half win. And there we're saying like, you just have to be better than average, right? Surely and can you can you ban the the nerds from from coming in stomping? <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. There's, we actually a, limit we limit that. their ability to enter into say beginner leagues, or we limit their ability to enter into the the lower the one or two dollar leagues. Just to give you an idea, our average entry fee is two dollars. So it's it's actually again there's a bit of a mischaracterization. You know, our average average deposit is like twenty or thirty dollars. Average entry fee is like two dollars. And then on top of that, you have this, this story that comes out that says, actually, your employees and the DraftKings employees are colluding. It's everyone's worst nightmare yeah, of like, yeah. unregulated gambling yeah, yeah. business, and actually the two sides yeah. are, are, are working together yeah, to, yeah. to shut everybody out. Yeah. How'd that go over? Yeah, that didn't go very well. Yeah. So the, the background of that was, um, you know, we, uh, if you think uh, two years ago, we were a company of about 40 people. Um, this is a very small industry, um, and so our, our team, like, you know, people would play on, on competing sites. Everyone would play test it, and, and, and we thought it was good because it's a good idea to what are, what are competitors doing and stuff. And so the, when that sort of story broke, there was an insinuation that um, our players, the vast majority uh, um, who play at very low levels and somehow were insider traders as, as opposed to they just casually played on a competitor site. Um, and so you know, our staff had no access to any special information. Um, so it was a very strange accusation, but it, it did seem to gain some credibility. That well, because it was truthy, right? What do you mean? I mean, these, there was, you guys had to say, well, we shouldn't do this. We've got to set up tighter regulations. You ended up coming out saying, we've got to regulate ourselves better. This, this can't stand. Yeah, like, so there's, um, what we did is, that, like, we then banded. Like, what we saw is the optics of having people play uh, just wasn't worth, you know, uh, like, we did have internal policies about people could play and, and, and what they could play. But what we said, like, is, you know, we need a simple policy, and then we banned everybody from playing. How much of the mess you're in is your fault? How much of it is, is your competitors at DraftKings' fault? <laughs> and I want to preface it by saying I originally invited the two of you yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. you and your counterpart yeah. to come on, and someone who wasn't you said, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. You guys can't stand each other. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, like, we actually, on the lobbying side, we, we do work together um, uh, because, you know, we share an interest there. Like, you know, I think... You know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's something that happened. I think it's you know I wouldn't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go you into yeah to to, it's, to it's a bit of trash talk. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> um, the and I said at the beginning this is sort of a serious XM thing. Yeah. Uh, serious ended up buying yeah. XM. Do you imagine the two of you guys consolidate at some point? Uh, I, I know they repeatedly kind of mentioned that. I, I um, that, that and and yeah, it's it's not something that like I know I've got a great business. I know you know our unit economics are great. Um, the business uh, is, is very sustainable. Um, you've divvied up the, just from the rights reasons, right? you've divvied up the different leagues, right? It would make sense for yeah. to consolidate just for that. Well, we right. still have the same cost, right? We, you know, so, so I don't, uh, like, uh, you know, there's, there's always an economic, an economic argument for it, but it's like, I, I don't see where the need is. I think it's a, a great business. There's also, you know, there's also other significant players like Yahoo came into the market. And so I, I think there's a market to support a lot of people. 
assuming you guys survive the next yeah. few months, and, yeah. um, we go into the next... Negative. We, yeah, <laughs> no, we're going to live in a positive note. If we get, we get to August, yeah. start of football season, yeah. how are you going to market differently? Yeah, so we, you know, we definitely, we're definitely going to market differently. Um, you know, last year... Partly with there's a bunch of media guys who want your money, right? Yeah, that's so are, you gonna, are you going to spend as much or are you going to spend differently? I, I, we're definitely going to spend differently. Um, it probably won't be as much. Um, it, I think, you know, last year was about awareness and education. Uh, you know, we've got 83% awareness. People have heard of us. Um, uh, people understand what the product is. I think uh, we're going to do a better job of, like, selling the benefits, why people play and, and, and the aspect of it. And I also think we're going to try and make it a bit more fun. Like, I think, you know, through all of this, I think everyone seemed to have lost perspective that this is just a game. You know, it's fun, it's engaging, it's entertaining. Um, and so we're going to probably try and bring that out more in our marketing. Okay. That's the hope. That's fun. That's up yeah, note. Fun. Yeah, yeah. But a fun. Questions for Nigel? Hi, I'm Alex. Uh, speaking of fun, uh, what did you think of John Oliver's segment? Uh, I guess in two ways. One is, did you think it was funny? And secondly, in terms of accuracy? Uh, I, I did think it was funny. I kind of hid behind the sofa when I watched it. <laughs> uh, it was quite painful to watch. Um, it was very gratifying to see Seth Rogen in one of our ads. Like that, you know, I was thinking we could never have paid for that. That, that was pretty good. And Guilfoyle from Silicon Valley. Better than Mariah Carey. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was a high moment for us. But uh, I, still, I still like John Oliver. Any other questions? Hey, is there any kind of uh, mechanism for if someone loses a large amount of money um, from playing too much, gets addicted, sort of, uh, is there a mechanism that you can identify that and maybe shut them down or offer them help or something? Yeah, so it's, it's a good question. So um, we do do work with the National Council for Problem Gambling. Um, so there is a lot of research into uh, you know how you would identify somebody with a problem. Um, so that's the, that's the expertise that we're tapping for. That uh, you know historically we've not you know we have looked into it and we've not seen really instances of problem or significant instances of problem. Uh, but we're getting much, much deeper into that to make sure that there isn't. Like, our view is that, you know, this is, this is a fun product, an entertainment product. If it's not fun for somebody, then we definitely don't want them on the side. Have you had to refund anyone's money yet because they've, they've, they've overindulged? Uh, we've, we've definitely shut people's accounts. You know, we definitely, you know, uh, if someone asks you to shut their account, then you shut it account. And, and, and as importantly... I have to raise my hand and say, I've lost too much money with you. Please cut which me is, off. Yeah, and then as importantly, if they come back and say, I feel better, you go, no, that, you know, you're shut down. Okay, good. Yeah. Nigel, again, thank you for your candor. Thanks for coming no on. I'm very appreciative. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. 